Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome back to my podcast, Make It Rain. I'm a journalist and presenter, and I've been lucky enough to sit down and have unfiltered conversations with some truly incredible people. I know from my own experiences how powerful talking, and crucially, listening to others is, something you have heard about in this very podcast. And without a doubt, my life has been changed by the people I've met. I'm so excited that you are back to join me each week to meet amazing queens who've overcome challenges in their own lives. They're open up about their journey they've been on to harness their power and wear their crowns with pride. I really hope you'll feel empowered to own your own story and make it rain in your own lives too. In this episode of Make It Rain, we are joined by activist, model and author Mumro Burdorf. Munro has been called one of the 25 most powerful women in the country by British Vogue and is an activist for marginalised voices, diversity, feminism, the queer community and transgender visibility. She's also a UN Women UK changemaker. With over half a million followers on Instagram alone, it's no wonder that last year Time magazine called Munro a next generation leader on their cover. In this episode, we talk about coming out, the responsibility that comes with being a black trans activist, labels, and importantly, we talk about our mutual love for soap queen and singing sensation, Martine McCutcheon. This episode has it all. There are so many amazing words about owning your relationship with yourself, and I hope you will wear your crown with a little more pride after listening to this episode. Well, Hello, babe. Hi. (laughs) How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm so looking forward to like some more freedom. I can't wait. Oh my God. It's like almost like you can like taste it. I can taste it. (laughs) I can taste the manicure. (laughs) I can like taste the manicure. I can feel the tablecloth. I can hear the sound of those corks popping. I'm like ready. Yeah, me too. I'm really, really ready. I've booked in everything. I've booked my tan in. I've booked my nails, my feet. My feet look like gremlin hooves. Like, I'm ready. (laughs) She ready. Well, babe, you are working right now. All hours (laughs) that God sends you on your book, Transitional, that's coming out next year. February. And it's coming out after wait for it an 11 way bidding war that sounds quite kinky but it's not <laughs> oh my god 
And the books can explore all the journeys we go on as human beings from adolescence concerning gender, sexuality, love, relationships, identity, race. And it will show in one way or another, we all transition at different stages. Mm. From sitting back and writing this book, what's it taught you about the idea and concept and the act of transitioning, would you say? Um, I think really writing this book has been kind of, well, it's, it's, it became very personal. At the beginning, mm. it was very much about the research, about like how we all grow and how our experience of the world has been constructed by humanity. And we, we don't really think enough about that. I think that we all take, you know, things like marriage, things like, you know, gender, sexuality, uh, verbatim, but we've actually constructed these things ourselves. So it started off really about research. And then it kind of turned more into like a personal, more memoir kind of using my journey to map out how I feel about these different systems. Mm. What's that been like for you to review your own experience in that way and sit back and think about it? And what have you kind of realised through doing that? Um, I've realised that writing a book is extremely difficult, not necessarily just because of the sheer amount of like words, but it's a very solitary experience. Mm. And it's, um, yeah, just like delving back into all of like my history has just made me realise, you know, how much we all go through as human beings and how the past really impacts the present in ways that we don't necessarily realise and it's been an experience of like joining the dots and realizing oh my god like this happened because that happened and that I think this way because I dealt with things that way and it's also made me you know really appreciate the different intersections of my identity I mean I'm very proud to be trans and very proud to be queer very proud to be black but it's made me really realise, you know, how much we go through as marginalised people from the get-go, mm. from, like, the moment that we're flung into, like, nursery. You know, we've got this internal dialogue that, you know, many of us are completely aware that we're queer from, you know, from day one, but we don't necessarily, necessarily have the language to really even express what that is, but we know that there's something different to the world that we see outside of ourselves. Um so yeah, it's really just made me take a step back and um, appreciate other people's journeys a lot more because um, I've just seen my own journey in a completely different light. Mm. And it also comes at a time where we've all had to sit with ourselves mm. in new ways this year. We haven't had the same distractions that we always have that we've had because we've been locked down. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself from sitting with yourself in new ways you know what like growing up i was very kind of cut off from the rest of the world just being very uh -huh. effeminate and very queer <laughs> from the get-go you know i i came out as queer when i was 14 in what well, came out as gay but um i don't know as queer now um, but i came out as gay when i was 14 so i didn't really have that many friends in high school and before then i just did what well, didn't really kind of you know i wasn't very appealing to the other kids because i was different so i spent a lot of my childhood and adolescence in isolation um, and a lot of it in my bedroom and like didn't really go out with friends or anything like that. So 
being in lockdown really brought back a lot of those feelings and I had to really work through that. But I actually think that trans people in a way are experts at solitude because mm. we have to navigate the world in a way where we gain our power from being alone and with our thoughts and processing our feelings and how to turn that into a physical experience. So in a lot of ways, I was more prepared to be at home than a lot of people. I was seeing a lot of people struggle with the idea of being alone with themselves. And I think that a lot of people, through no fault of their own, uh, we live in a culture where, you know, we're encouraged to be busy all the time. We're encouraged to be around people all the time. We're encouraged to, you know, experience things as, um, you know, to be very, very sociable. And that's great. But I do feel like a lot of people weren't used to their own company. And when everything got stripped back, people were just like, oh my God, who the hell am I? Mm. So I do feel lucky in a way to have had that experience where I've had to really understand myself uh, because I was forced to be alone. And it really did prepare me for this moment. But writing a book <laughs> during lockdown has not been fun because it's like in the back of my mind all the time <laughs> and I can't even enjoy Bridgerton and I'm just like <laughs> we can't even enjoy the Duke babe and his spoon I'm just dreaming of like reggae Jean Page like telling me to stop watching his bum and um <laughs> write my bloody book <laughs> those cheeks were talking to you babe being like get back and go write that book those cheeks were saying a lot <laughs> <laughs> it was so interesting what you said there because I came out when I was 14 at school and it was it was such a solitary experience as well and one of the things I panicked about when um lockdown first happened is I remember saying to my friend Jolie I called her and was like I was so socially anxious when I was in my teenage years and like and I used to, used to spend all this time on my own in my bedroom and like not really talking to that many people or going to parties or doing all the things that usual teenagers did and I was like what happens if that happens to me now and I can't go back into normal life but ultimately it's interesting because from just you even just saying that it's made me just realize that actually I kind of lent on that 14 year old in a way yeah. in this experience and was like you can do this oh 100% definitely I, I I feel like that was a practice run um for dealing with this moment when we've got all of the other pressures of you know paying rent and um you know just a career <laughs> so it's it's <laughs> yeah. been um it's been an amazing experience lockdown in a way um of you know self-work and focusing on what i want my life to be like when the world opens again obviously it hasn't been amazing because we've been navigating a worldwide pandemic and so many people have died and so many people have lost their jobs and struggling with mental health and it's been bad news after bad news um but personally it's really given me an opportunity to think what do I want my life to be like when I get my freedom back, when I can see my friends, when I can navigate my career, when my career kickstarts again in real life. Um, and I do feel like it's given me the time to just press the reset button. Before mm. lockdown started, I was literally going 1000 miles per hour and I had no idea where it was going. I had no idea how I was going to be able to write a book and be that busy 
like physically in all sorts of places like flying to America flying you know to Europe like doing all of this and I was just like okay well I need to write a book as well um so it has been good to just slow down but I'm definitely ready to get going again Mm. and that's all come as well at the same time as the huge resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement as well Mm -hmm. which has obviously had very positive consequences but also negative consequences as well in terms of the impact it's probably had on you and your mental health as well Mm. how's that been for you and how have you coped and looked after yourself um it's difficult because social media like activism really has become social media based because obviously Mm. we can't do that much in public at the moment so um it's really just been about renegotiating my relationship with social media and not feeling like I need to be a talking head on every single issue. Um, I think that there's definitely an expectation on uh, especially black people to speak about things that are happening without the, um, without considering that it may be also weighing extremely heavy to speak about Mm. those things. So I just need to just remind myself constantly that, you know, if I don't feel that I can, then I shouldn't. And I should probably invest in myself instead. Um, I try to make as much of the work that I do community based. And um, if I don't if I don't feel like I am the best person to speak about a situation or if I can't speak about the situation because of how I'm feeling mentally, then I just amplify the voices of others because I'm always across things. I'm always, you know, making sure that I'm aware, but there's one thing being aware and there's another thing, you know, being a voice with people that follow you with like when half a million people follow you, it's like, it's a, it's mm. a very unique pressure. So, um, yeah, I think it's just making sure that, you're taking time for yourself as well as taking time to um, be a voice. Mm. And I think as well, because you do have an amazing platform. You have over half a million followers on Instagram alone. But what is the real human cost of being a black trans activist in the unrelenting public sphere? It's been really good and really bad. I think when it was really bad, it was because I wasn't setting boundaries for myself. Mm. And I was kind of doing things that I felt I had to do, like have a Twitter account. (laughs) And once I started realizing, oh, actually, I don't need to play by the rules. I can renegotiate the rules for myself. So again, it's, you know, it's not feeling like you have to be part of every conversation. And yes, I had a lot of people on my Twitter account, but it's kind of like not a reason to have a platform that's causing you harm. And Mm. I just didn't feel like there was the safeguarding on Twitter for me to expose myself to unrelenting harm. Um, So once I kind of like took that away and that was just one instance and then I shut my DMs on Instagram and I always felt like I had to have them open because I felt what if, you know, there's someone that wanted to get in touch about Um, work or someone that wanted to get in touch about a situation that they were going through and again it's drawing a boundary you can't just allow everybody access to you and think that you're gonna you know be fine Um, especially when I'm in a position where it's quite easy to cause me harm you know Um, Mm. if you wanted to like send me a message that would hurt me then it would get to me Um, so I think it's just like yeah just drawing back 
and not putting the walls up, but um, renegotiating the terms of how I exist in the public space. Yeah, and I think everyone needs to take a step back after this year and think about what their boundaries are. Because mm. I think we live in this boundaryless society now where people feel like they can access people at any given time. Like, you know, you can sit here and you, know, you can get a bad call from someone, you can get a WhatsApp from another person. It's all just firing at you all the yeah. time. But I think everyone needs to remember that you can be the one to create your own boundaries, right? Have you learned that? Definitely. And also, you know, people need to renegotiate how they speak about other people. I think that mm. we've gotten so numb and unempathetic on social media. And, you know, I've been seeing a lot about Chloe um, Kardashian and that unfiltered picture of her body being posted and everyone going for her. And I just kind of mm. feel like go for the company if you want to go for like the concept of filters then go for the companies that create the filters go for the concept of the filter don't go for the person that's obviously um experienced trauma to the point where they feel they need to do that then don't just mm. bully that person i just i just feel like there's we've gotten to the point where we're not thinking about um we're not thinking about the source, we're thinking about the symptom, and then we're blaming the symptom, but we're not going for the source. And it's just like, you know, dragging people or cancelling um, individuals on social media. I just kind of feel like that's, it's a very, it's a very similar thing when you should be going for, um, you know, the system of oppression rather than the symptom, which is somebody's ignorance help that person grow if they're not causing too much harm, but people get things wrong. Um, I th ultimately, we're all living in a very traumatic society and it is difficult to see um, perfection everywhere, but mm. I think it's also a naive thought to think that those people in the public eye don't also experience that pressure and that, you know, those filters are a symptom of that pressure and everyone's just trying to do the best that they can so i'm trying to push the narrative of you know seeing goodness in each other and just giving each other a little bit of a break rather than feeling mm. like we need to tear each other down to try and get a better narrative that's not going to work it needs to be and i say this all the time because it just it blows my mind that we don't live in an empathy-first society. Like, I don't understand why we're just not more empathetic to one another. And one of the sad things is I kind of thought when we went into this situation with COVID-19, it's a global pandemic. It it's affects everyone in some way. I thought we would hopefully emerge and be more empathetic to one another. Yeah. But then you go on social media and you see that in some ways 100%, but then you see it in other ways where people are so they're so angry at what's going on. Mm -hmm. So then they feel the need to just target or latch on to whatever it is and then feed that anger they have based onto someone else, even if it's not even about that issue. Yeah, I think the, the difficulty is, is that COVID-19 is a global pandemic, but it hits people depending on, um, mm. you know, their privileges a lot of the time. Um, so, you know, the poor, and um, POC and the people that have underlying illnesses are hit harder than, you know, mm. say the rich and able-bodied. 
and the whites. So I understand people's frustration, but it's really not going to get us to a better place tearing down somebody that has encountered trauma um, and then re-traumatizing that person and then re-traumatizing other people that are experiencing the same trauma um you know some people don't feel like i mean if we really sorry to bring chloe back into it i'm on her side but um same when, babe yeah i mean like, i'm i'm for anybody that has been you know dragged through the press i don't care how much money you make I've experienced that and it's horrible, it's dehumanizing, it's anti-feminist, it's anti-human to degrade someone to the point where they feel that they need, the only way that they can exist is if they put a perfect version of themselves forward. And I'm not going to start chastising somebody because they feel that they need to use a filter or they feel that they need to retouch. You know, there's a thousand different reasons that that that, that could be the case. But not everybody is, you know, to the privilege where they can go and shoot, you know, a Vogue cover without makeup on. Um, yes. And I think that that is a privilege in itself too. And I think it's all mm. very well and good. I mean, I've got a lot of friends in the media that campaign for anti-retouching. And I think that that's great, but a lot of those women also look absolutely stunning without a scrap of makeup on, and that in, mm. a, in itself is a privilege. So, um, yeah, I just think we need to ease up on each other, give each other a break, and also realise that no one does things willy-nilly. Everything is for a reason. Everybody is insecure. We've just started to live in a world where we're having these conversations. But if you're like, you know, 30 years old and you've been navigating the media for the past 10 years, we we saw, you know, how Britney Spears was treated. Sorry, I always bring Britney into every single interview. <laughs> but we saw how Britney was treated. We saw Bring it, pa- babes. We saw how Paris was treated. We saw how Lindsay was treated. Mm. It was like misogyny on heat. And now we're chastising people for their trauma because they feel they need to put a filter on. Like, calm down. Mm, I think anyway, just, that's my rant. Babes. <laughs> Summed it up. Like, the misogyny just has to stop. Like, and then it's and then it's kind of like we this is what I found so interesting about the Britney documentary, because it's almost like people woke up to misogyny, and that's like Guys, you've only got to look around in society mm-hmm. to know that this is happening day in, day out. It's still happening. Like, yes, just because the paparazzi aren't there and because, you know, Britney's not being asked about whether she's a virgin or not, we're still chastising people for having cosmetic surgery. Like, mm-hmm. like they, you know, have to be role models to absolutely everybody. The rea- reality is, is not all men are role models. So why do women need to be all role models? You know, it's, it's more about personal choice. And we think that we're liberating women by chastising a woman's choice to present her body in whatever way we want but that's not liberation because we're stopping that woman from doing whatever she wants to her body so i just kind of feel like let's just shut up about women's bodies let's allow the women that identify as role models and work as role models to be the role models or the primary school teacher identifying women to be the primary school teachers and the and you know the parents through the parents but let's also understand that you know no not everybody needs to be one kind of perfect or one kind of inspirational or one kind of you know this 
it's just it's really frustrating to me i i really feel like if people went after governments and corrupt businesses and corporations and um you know systems like they do the kardashians or they do mm. um or whoever you know is um person of the week to destroy then we'd be getting a lot further down the line towards equality yes 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 more yes on top of yes agree with absolutely every single word that and you've already mentioned so many queens in that in what you just said britney for instance but you are a queen let's get real but i want to know who has inspired you and passed the crown on to you who's inspired me oh god um i'm inspired by anybody who has carved out a space for themselves in you know an industry or in um a society that hasn't got space for them so i'm really just endlessly inspired by the you know the amount of trans women and trans fans of color in the media at the moment i get you know my power from looking at what you know india moore's doing or what mm. um you know dominique is doing or what um janet mock is doing or laverne um i really feel energized with by um their presence and i think it's also testament to the fact that somebody else's success should energize you it shouldn't make you feel intimidated because there is no other you you know you are the only you so if another woman or if another trans woman or another black trans woman is gaining success that's not your competition that is showing Mm. that you know this is your moment as well because that possibility is possible so um yeah i'm really inspired by everything going on right now um but also you know the youth um i'm really impressed and um inspired by generation z how they're utilizing you know platforms like TikTok to educate each other about things that have always existed but are actually really harmful um the conversations going around um with little nas x um so i guess little nas x is really inspiring to me um with how he has you know opened a conversation about how he was traumatized by religion and then um putting that into his art and how controversial that is to a lot of people but controversies always exist you know existed um you know madonna was dancing in front of burning crosses you know in the 80s and i mean i kind of feel like that's maybe a lot more controversial than a cgi lap dance of the devil (laughs) so um i mean that's just hot (laughs) let's be honest that was hot but both of them were hot um wasn't madonna making out with black jesus so yeah, I guess people weren't ready for that either. But um, I, I really feel like sometimes controversy is needed because everything's controversial until it's not. Um, and then we can, you know, move forward. Um, and look at the doors that Madonna opened for women um, in terms of sexual um, empowerment mm. and artistic expression and all of the doors that she opened up for other young female artists. So um, I'm really looking forward to the doors that Little Nas X is going to open for more, um, you know, black gay boys to, um, you know, own their experience and come through. Yeah. And I think there's definitely 
so much work that's been done in the last year in terms of representation, but we very clearly have got so much further to go. But then you look at things like in popular culture, and then you look at, for instance, like Strictly Come Dancing, and we finally have a same-sex couple dancing together. And like to think of like how powerful that is to see that in living rooms in over like 40 million homes. Mm-hmm. It is so incredible. And that's what goes to show that representation is so important and it's vital and it matters. And yes, there may be the people who write into Ofcom. I mean, I'd love to meet someone who writes into Ofcom. <laughs> what type of person is that? But like, it's so important to have those markers in society to show that we are getting somewhere, but we've still got so much further to go. And would you ever, like, with that in mind, would you ever do something like go on Strictly Come Dancing, babe? I've always said that Strictly is really the only one that I've got a desire to do. Um, Yes! I kind of feel like, you know, down the line, a good few years, a good few years, I've got a lot that I want to achieve. And not that I can't do it if I do Strictly, but I just kind of feel like I'm a Virgo and I've got a very, you know, crisp um, five-year plan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I want to I wanna get everything done first that I want to achieve and then I can start, you know, doing the game shows and stuff like that, which is, um, you know, really exciting, but not necessarily what I want to do at this point. Well, with that in mind, babes, get your sequins on because we're about to sashay into the break and we'll yes. see you on the other side. <laughs> Make It Rain is proud to be working with Aurelia London, the experts in probiotic skincare. I don't know about you, but coming out of winter, my skin is looking super dull. So to bring back my glow, I've been using Aurelia London's Probiotic Concentrate to supercharge my everyday skin routine, using it alongside the Aurelia London Day Moisturiser. Probiotic skincare gives the ultimate glow, no matter what your skin concern is, from fine lines to rosacea and even pigmentation or acne. And because Aurelia London and Make It Rain are all about empowering people to glow inside and out, I have a special code for you. Get 20% off the entire range by heading to aurelialondon.com and using the code JOSH20 at the checkout. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, welcome back, Queen. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Do you enjoy your little dance around in the sequence during the break, babe? Oh my god, always, always. I'm in my Strictly outfit already for the next five years. (laughs) (laughs) She ready. Well, we've already talked quite a bit about identity. And I think that everyone who listens to this podcast and anyone full stop is always grappling with their identity at different times in their life. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone grapples this idea of a box and a label. Like, how have you navigated staying true to yourself in a society that's always continuously trying to make you fit into a box or give you a label? Yeah, I mean, I did identify as gay when I was growing up because I felt like that box helped me. Um, But the older that I got and the more I grow 
and the more I evolve into the person that I am and the person that I will be, I just kind of feel limited by them sometimes. Um, mm. I love um, definitions such as queer because it's got a political angle. And it when I say that I identify as queer, I feel like I identify as part of a political movement um, for the equality of people that aren't heterosexual. So it's not rigid, it's very open and fluid and it encompasses a lot of different identities but it's also you know standing with those people that have literally died for us to have Mm. the rights that we have so I feel like really proud when I say that I'm queer Um, and also I love the fact that it's come from a term that was used to oppress us Um, so yeah I, I, I think it's about navigating and trying out different things until you put on a pair of shoes that feels right and um just so happens that queer is my pair of heels um um, and then transgender yeah i mean just transgender because i am um and then black because i am um and then mixed because i am but uh yeah i don't know i think i used to think that i had to really define my sexuality as you know pansexual or bisexual or gay and uh, I don't know. I just, it doesn't, it just feels really restrictive for me. I just feel like I'd rather just say I'm queer and people can make up their own assumptions because ultimately it's actually no one else's business. Um, and I just, I like who I like and I find all kinds of people attractive. So yeah, just give them that bracket and let them do what they want with it really. Yeah. And then you can just live your true experience within that. Exactly. All people need to know is that I'm queer because, I mean, if I'm sleeping with you, then you know. But, like, otherwise, it's got nothing to do with you, really. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But also, this is making me think about, within the LGBTQ plus community, it's such a complex label in itself, isn't it? Because there isn't enough, like, spectrum grace within that is there have you found that yeah i mean that's why i say queer i'd much rather use the word i know that a lot of people don't necessarily identify as queer but really that's where you know our roots are um Mm. we were called queer and we uh, you know from um you know different movements um reappropriating the word queer to mean something positive it's I i just kind of feel like it's much more inclusive to use the word queer than to use a literal like to use acronyms yeah um because then it's again just using those boxes and Mm. it's something about those boxes that i'm just like well i'm not lesbian gay by i mean i'm trans but i don't know i just kind of and also that just feels a little like kind of like sticky because there's sexuality then there's gender and it's even though like our liberation has been um you know together i just kind of feel like it's better to just use the queer the queer umbrella for me personally Mm. but everyone's different you know some people feel really really free with the boxes and with the um you know rigid sexualities like i'm gay if that makes you feel powerful if that's how you identify then go for it but for me personally it's just never really felt right but it's all about what you feel a closeness to and what you draw power from 
Mm. And that idea of being free, I loved this amazing quote that you said in your Time magazine cover. Hello, just let's take a moment for that. <laughs> I can't believe that, that You were on the cover of Time magazine. No, yes, no, yes, no. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Stunning. You said, we show people what it is to be free. And I love that quote and the idea of freedom. How free do you feel sitting here today in especially in comparison to how you felt when you were younger, when you were talking about that isolated person you were. Mm. I feel re- I feel really free and proud. I feel like there's so many different possibilities um, because ultimately I came into this industry and from the get-go I was underestimated, I was undermined, I was misrepresented and character assassinated and in many ways just torn apart because there hadn't really in the UK been anyone like me. I don't think a lot of people knew what to do with me and for that reason I was just rejected. So it took a long time and a lot of graft for me to really just, you know, create a space for myself and Mm. do it anyway. And, you know, I was going for meeting after meeting and people were just not willing to take the chance on me. Um, But I stuck it out and I think I showed myself that I am willing to work hard, I'm willing to do whatever it takes and that I'm a strong person. And I don't think that I really knew that before I had to be. I don't think Mm. I really knew how strong I was or how far I would push myself uh, but until I had to. Um, so I feel really, really proud of myself and I feel um, really free because I've I created a freedom for myself. It hasn't just been presented to me. I haven't just had opportunities handed to me. I've really worked my ass off. So um, I think that that's a, you know, a positive message for anybody that feels that, you know, the industry, whatever industry they're in, hasn't got room for them or is underestimating them. Just show them, you know, what you can do. Mm. Don't wait for people to allow you to show them, you know, ram it down their throats. (laughs) Really just, you know, shine. Don't be afraid to shine. Um, People are going to feel like it's being rammed down their throats, but if you're just existing, um, you know, unapologetically and loudly and in the same, give the same energy that, you know, these cis straight white men are giving, you know, don't make any apologies for you being present. It's so important. I felt at the beginning of my transition that I was putting people out by existing and that's such a horrible experience and you start making yourself smaller, you start not saying things when you know the answers, you start, um, you know, just self-sabotaging and um, not putting yourself forward for opportunities because you're scared that you can't do it. So just believe in yourself and um, freedom comes along with that. Mm. I think it's important that everyone remembers that their individuality is their superpower. Exactly. And once you realise that your individuality and that you are an individual and that that's your superpower, you stop seeing other people as your competition. There is no competition for anybody, you know, unless you don't realise how unique you are, then you start moulding yourself 
into the images of other people and then they're your competition because you've you don't realize your uniqueness but if you understand the unique quality of what you bring to the table then no one no one is ever your competition yes babes period (laughs) (laughs) period (laughs) i love that and it's so incredible because you continually turn up and show up and use your voice to help well i don't have any choice josh (laughs) (laughs) i just kind of feel like you know i'm doing this for like my inner child i'm doing this because Mm. i want to have the life that for so long i felt like i couldn't have and i think a lot of people are always like how do you get the energy where do you get you know the strength from and anything that I've been through in the media pales in comparison with everything that happened before, um, you know, 2017, when everything kind of like blew up for me. Um, So I don't know, I just kind of feel like this is my purpose. Um, This is my my passion. This is what I want to do. I feel like the meaning of life is to create a legacy um, that you leave the world in a better place than how you found it. And that can be localized within your community. It can be your family. It can be your partner. It can be just yourself. But for me personally, I want to help my communities, the different communities that I'm part of, progress in a way where the the younger generations that identify as how I identify aren't gonna aren't gonna experience all of the roadblocks and self doubt and self sabotage and abuse that I experienced um, mm. because it it it's just so unnecessary. To quote Marty McCutcheon, "This is your moment, babe." <laughs> I love that you got Martine in there. <laughs> Good old Martine. We're sprinkling those queens. (laughs) I I actually saw, I bumped into her one day in um, Soho. And you know when you see a celebrity in the street and you're like, your your brain doesn't think, oh, that's that's someone that I don't know. And you think, oh my God, that's my friend. And I was was like, Martine! (laughs) (laughs) And she was just like, hi! She had no idea who I was. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, I don't know this person. <laughs> Babe, that is possibly one of my favourite stories of all time. <laughs> I mean, Babe, of all the topics I wanted to cover with you, Marty McCutcheon was not one I thought we'd be covering, but I'm so beyond here for it. <laughs> And if there's any other Martin McCutcheon fans out there, show some love. <laughs> she needs to make a comeback. I want to see her do oh, a the... mighty hoopla. <gasps> <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of like queers who would be not be able to know what to do with themselves if that happened, babe. <laughs> with Hugh Grant in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, babe, at the end of every episode we always ask each of the queens who come on one last question and that always is in the reign of your life what is the one rule you will always live by um i'm not sure when i said it but i did say it (laughs) (laughs) and people seem to really resonate with it and i do feel like it has somehow become 
my own mantra that I do try to follow and it's never let someone else's mis misconception of you become your perception of self. You were having a wise day when you <laughs> said that, babe. Because I just kind of feel like we project so much onto each other and there's no way that anyone can ever know what it's like to be you. No one ever is able to fully compute um you know your trauma or your highs your lows your good points your bad you're a full person you know and you may be the worst person in some people's eyes and you know there's people that hate me but there's also people that love me and you know you are a full experience so never let anybody put you into one definition because there's all you know we've all got our good days and our bad days but you are not just your good day or not just your bad day, you're everything. I love that. You are a full experience. Well, thanks, babe. <laughs> well, it's been a full experience having you on this podcast. I mean, we've literally gone through the light with the shade, particularly Martine McCutcheon. Oh, there's and, always um, a light. Martine is definitely uh... <laughs> that light, isn't she? Well, you are a light and always just keep doing what you're doing Thank because... You. You're amazing, and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Josh. Anytime, my darling. Thank you so much for listening, Queens. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and take just as so much away from it as I have. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts from so you'll know which amazing queen is joining me next time. And make sure you share this around your friends and get those conversations going because we need each other now more than ever before. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.